Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife and this week I'm dabbling in video games again because I'm going to talk about a franchise that I've been meaning to talk about for a while now and really when I'm going to talk about it I mean I'm going to talk about this one and why it's so good and then eventually I'll get to other games and then realize holy shit did this just hit on every cylinder. I am talking of Fantasy Star 4, the end of the millennium. But before I get into Fantasy Star 4, I have to talk about Fantasy Star as a franchise. They started on the, not the Genesis, but the system before, I, I believe they call it the Master System before they talked to the Genesis, or was it both? I, I forget which. But Fantasy Star 1 started on the system before. I believe the other two did as well, or the other two started on the Genesis, and then this one was near the end of that life cycle in 1994. And I looked at footage of the earlier Fantasy Star games because I was most familiar with 4. It has a reputation um, as a cult following, as a, as, a, as a great RPG. So I was curious about like what the other three games had to offer, and I really only did the second one. Because the second one is the most like it, but suffice it to say, the first three games have issues with them. Uh, one of the main issues with the first one is the dungeons are first person, and it's really hard to get around and know what you're doing. The second one, there's not really a good way to say this. The dungeon design is crap. It has the ambiance of a of a space drama and all this stuff, but the writing is very basic. Think of like those early, early, early uh, NES RPGs. The even like the early Dragon Quests, or the early Final Fantasies, but even worse, even more toned down. Like very dry dialogue. Even like original SMT right we're that's how far back we're talking and I, again i'm not saying that they're bad games per se i'm saying that they're very dated and it's it's tough to really grasp just how the writing is and three until way later has issues with with tone and like again the writing really lets it down what really set fantasy star 4 apart from the pack was everything that they did seemed tailor-made to basically finish off the Genesis in style. As if almost like this was their last chance to get it right. And I'm not saying Fantasy Star wasn't a popular franchise. I'm saying that none of the games really like hit until this one did. And the characters, the writing, the story, basic storytelling, sure, but the characters and the, the way the visuals work was on a whole nother level for this franchise, and it's held up against stuff like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. It's it's kind of a shame that Fantasy Star is focused on the online so much, because like an old-school JRPG in the Fantasy Star franchise would be a welcome thing, because we're, you know, we don't have those Breath of Fires anymore. We barely even have mana anymore. We have your staples. You have Tales. You have... Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, uh, Atlier, Trails, you know, all that stuff, but we don't have 
the stuff we used to have, you know, Breath of Fire was a solid franchise for a long time. Mana was a solid franchise for a time, and they brought it back, but they didn't really do anything with it. Um, I, I think if they wanted to, and maybe it's a licensing issue, then you could try it. I mean, there's a lot there. Space is something that they don't really explore much. I know Star Ocean can... Eh, Tales sometime can Zen like Xenosaga was one I remember. Xenoblade didn't really do space so much. They did its own unique feel and world. So space exploration has kind of just been tales and tales of and Star Ocean and mostly Star Ocean because Tales likes to stay and just likes to stay on one planet. Uh, Fantasy Star at least would do the traveling to like three to four other planets and do other things and try cool stuff like that. Um, and um, it's something I miss. And it is something I miss from Fantasy Star 4 being so good. Now, why is Fantasy Star 4 good? Again, a lot of it has to come down to characters. Because if you don't have good characters, if you don't have good chemistry of said characters, and then your story doesn't matter, your battle system doesn't matter. Um, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big character person. So if I have a character I can, I can gravitate to, or at least a story I can understand, I, I'm more involved. So the story starts with Chaz, Ashley, and Alice Brangwen, these hunters. Chaz is a noob, and Alice is the mentor. Alice is a no-nonsense, no-frills, like, think Han Solo if she was a chick. Basically, she doesn't take shit from nobody. She is my favorite character by far. And, um, oh yeah, bear in mind there's going to be spoilers. Sorry. Um, so yeah, spoilers for this, just in case. Um, but yeah, Alice recruits Chaz because Chaz is the do-gooder. I'm just trying to do my job kind of thing. And they're, they're hunters. They're trying to figure out what's going on with this storm, like all the vegetation and weather control systems on the planet of Motavia is all fucked up. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. They get this call about these bio monsters and mutants in this like academy and the, like a hidden dungeon somewhere. Like, uh, Alice strong arms this professor guy or a, or a teacher's assistant, whatever, uh, Han to, you know, we'll pay us and we'll do the job. And funny enough, the game actually gives you money after the cutscene, which I've never seen before. So they literally just strong arm this dude for more cash so that they do their job. So they do. They keep going and they keep going and then they get a couple of their party members and they find that this cult leader known as Zio has been fucking with things. Um, he's been messing up a lot of the power plants and all these other things. So they go to the tower and they find these things going on. It turns out the character or a monster from the other Fantasy Star games known as Dark Force has control over Zio and uses that to get rid of Alice. So Chaz is now the main character, which kind of sucks, honestly. Because there's nothing to Chaz. He's just a he's just a piece of fucking bread, you know. I, I would have liked Alice to survive, but you needed, I guess, Alice's sacrifice to keep going. I don't know. This was before female led part, you know, female led games could go. Anyway, whatever. So Chaz goes on his merry way with Rune, who was who was Alice's friend for a while, 
and they keep on going and they stumble across space stations and whatever and they find this character known as Rika who is a Newman uh, basically think cat girl-esque human sort of like they have claws they have ears they have stuff like that Newmans have been in other games but this is like the first time they've been fleshed out the idea was a a character up on a space station and a, and a, a computer on the planet were helping take care and teach Rika how to live, but she kept her in seclusion for so long. And the uh, problem being that she doesn't know anything, but she is loaded for bear. So she comes in and she's a decent party member and she's actually the second or third best party member depending on like whether you like magic users or, or attackers she's actually your main healer which is which is really neat um because chaz is your sword guy rune is a magic dot magic guy you get some other characters here and there that specialize in other roles and i have a guy revving his engine outside of my fucking apartment great job um so rika is kind of like hey i'm a de facto healer but I can also do some attacking. So she's decent at attacking too. So all three of them kind of make do. They they keep working on a planet and then they realize they need to go up to a spa to other space stations and to other planets to figure out what's going on with Dark Force and try to stop it. So they recruit Ren, who's an android overseeing the station above. He's just a fucking android Terminator dude. He's big, he's tough, and he shoots things with guns. How could you go wrong? So they keep going and they keep going. And then they go to a cold planet filled with disease and other weird shit. They end up stumbling across this temple, mostly by just bulldozing into it by crash landing, which Rika found fucking hilarious, by the way. They crash into a temple full of green people. One of them, known as Raja, comes in and says, Hey, I, don't be assholes. Let me join your party so we can make do. They they cure illnesses around the planet. They realize things are going on. And they find out that Chaz is a, a person of interest who can wield this sword known as Elsidian. I believe that's the pronunciation. And he needs that to destroy Dark Force because the seal on it's being broken and it's going to turn it into something even more powerful. So the game keeps going and keeps going. Um, there's another big elves planet involved. You go back to Matavia and do more stuff. You can do some side questing, but mainly the goal is to open up the, the place to get to dark force and then get to what's known as the profound darkness and then kick its ass. Pretty simple setup, but again, the writing is pretty good. There's a lot of banter back and forth between Alice, Rune, and Chaz because Chaz is such a fucking fruitcake. Um, a lot of characters have good moments. I think Chaz and Rika work well as kind of a pseudo couple, you know, that like each other and, you know, they do the the early, you know, romance thing where you kind of know it's going to work out, but it's fine. Um and one of one of my favorite lines I remember was early on in the game. Alice was talking to this like race of owl people, and this in and one of the elders is sitting in this tent. And you're you're supposed to ask the NPC like what the what's your major questions? Like, hey, how do you solve the mystery of the town, right? And he's like, no, maybe you want to know the measurements of Alice Brandwin. So 
37, super dear, and she just punches him in the fucking face. And she's just like, no, you're not going to fucking tell them my measurements, you perv. So the fact that this game has that sort of writing from 19, you know, 1994, you know, because this is in that early stage of, hey, writing is starting to get really freaking good, but we're still in that kind of incremental improvement phase. To see banter back and forth where it's comedic, but it's also not distracting, it just enhances the characters, is really neat. Um, another cool thing is the addition of a fifth character at the end of the game, because you have... You have Chaz, Rika, Ren, and Rune, and several other people that you gain along the journey later on who did, like, kind of sub, you know, substitute roles. You can choose which party member to have as your fifth party member, and they all do different things. Like, Ren has an assistant named Demi, who's basically a secondary android, but can do, like, more healing stuff. Got a well-rounded person known as Han, who was the dork that got shortchanged in the beginning of the game. Uh, Raja, who's an insane healer, and is basically broke as fuck when it comes to that, so, like, it becomes almost impossible to die. There's... Kira, who uses, like, Alice's, like, boomerang slasher kind of weapon things to hit enemy groups, but she's well-rounded again. So there's, and then there's also Grease, who's just, hey, I hit, I hit things with hard stick. I hit things with axe. They, they go down, you know, simple like that. So you get a choice of, like, what type of character you want to balance out the end game party. So it's really neat in terms of that mechanic. What also sets this game apart is the actions of you've got your normal attacks you've got your spells ish and then you've got skills so how would i describe it fantasy star 4 does some weird stuff with it i don't i forget if fantasy star 2 and 3 did the the mechanics of combi combining these but suffice it to say everybody has like a stock like they don't have they have MP for their for their um, magic skills, your heals, your thunder damage, all your other stuff. For your for your skills, you have like a stock, like a D and D amount, like a spell slot. You have, hey, I can use this spell so many times. I can use this spell so many times, and the bigger ones you get less of them. But at the end of the game, you get like certain ones, like 20, 30, 40 times, and you can keep going. Um, one of the biggest drawbacks about this system is they kind of do the way um, SMT and Persona do naming conventions. Like in Final, in Final Fantasy, um, maybe even Dragon Quest to a way, but at least with Dragon Quest, they're a little bit like, like goofy and playful about their naming scheme. You know, kaboom and, and whiff and snuff out or whatever, you know, thwack, you know, that sort of thing. Or... Final Fantasies like Fire 1, Fire 2, Fire 3, Furaga, Fire, Flare, you know, you kind of get an idea. Persona and, and SMT use Zahn and Garu, Bufu, Frey, Freyla, Freydine, you know, that sort of shit. I'm guessing it's a Japanese naming convention or some other type. I want to bet that Fantasy Star did the same thing, but unlike... SMT and Persona, where they had an actual guide when you used a spell, and of course, later on, they 
always had access to that, so you'd never get confused. Fantasy Star 4 doesn't. Like, you have to just experiment and hope and pray you know, because you never know when it's going to be a heal spell, but then you understand, oh, okay, it's a res, all right, whatever. Or SAR is the full party heal, or, you know, this move does fire, thunder, water, it's a physical attack, this one does an insta-kill, this one does this thing. You know, it's just a bunch of weird three-letter or five-letter words. Sometimes there's a full letter but again, there's stuff called Ephas or Tandal or Hune or Flaley, like words that I don't think are common to us or were like either mistranslated or just shortened to the point, and they do not. They do not give you access to understand what they are. The best you've got is your equipment, like your armor and weapons. Like, sure, we know what those do. Higher numbers go boom, you know, but... And the worst part is you have these combinations. So say if uh, Rika and Chaz wanted to do a double team move or Rune and Ren or Ren and Demi or whomever wanted to do a, a move, or if you had all four or five party members doing a move, certain attacks would chain if you were in the turn. So say Chaz goes first and then Rika goes second and they have a double team move. If you're one right after the other, you get to do a combination move. So your two skills become a stronger combination to do that turn. Um, if an enemy strikes you, then they break that. So if they're in, if an enemy's in between, then I don't think you get that off. You all can also do a macro. So say you just want to do auto battle, you can set a macro for that. If you want to do auto defend, you can set a macro for that. If you want to do, hey, this guy does a skill, this guy does a heal, this guy does a support you can do that so you can set a macro to be a thing like this is a way to do combination skills if you wanted to do a macro like that um so it's it's not the most advanced system in the world it's still standard skills but the fact that you have two different ways of doing damage other than i just smack dudes it if you can get around the naming convention it's it's pretty simple. The game moves pretty fast. I do like in the overworld that the game runs very fast. I like that in... So uh, from an aesthetic point of view, you have uh, in-game sprites. And this is an interesting way they do sprite work. Instead of um, like really short, chibi-looking characters like in Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy... They go for really stretched out, like, thinner people, but with normal proportions. And they're kind of skating along the ground. They're able to kind of move very fast. And in a game with random encounters, moving very fast helps you avoid a lot of random encounters. It still happens a lot, but that was the nature of the games back then. But it also helps the game move very fast. It is a fast-moving game. Uh, I've said it before, like, Final Fantasy IX is a slow-moving game. Fantasy Star 4 would be a fast-moving game, like a Secret of Mana-type fast. For a, for a turn-based game, this is a fast-moving experience. So you're going to be done in like 15 to 20 hours, if that. Um, but you're still not going to feel short-changed by the experience. Um, the music is pretty good, too. Um, all the One of the main issues I have is the music and the, the dungeons tend to get repeated alongside of the enemy like the enemy combatants they get 
uh, reused a lot, and I don't usually mind palette swaps, but I do mind it when dungeons are just reused. Like, you're going to see the same, like, hey, this is a crashed computer center thingy, you know, wrecked center of info and computers, like a satellite that fell from the sky, uh, a meteorite crashed, a spaceport kind of thing. It's, it's like there's three of those or four of those. Um, you have other dungeons, which are neat. You have some references. Some of the songs are references to Fantasy Star 1, which is kind of neat. Um, so some of the dungeons have some uniqueness to them, but otherwise it's you're just kind of walking through a dungeon and you're gathering treasures and you're climbing your way up or down to kill a boss you know there's they look okay for for genesis but it's you know it's not going to win any awards in terms of originality because of the reusing of a lot of assets um but it was in the era when they would do that a lot so it's not the biggest problem i mean even final fantasy 6 reused assets so it's not like a cardinal sin to do that sort of thing in that era uh, I think it's when you start getting into the PS1, PS2 that you start thinking, oh, okay, we don't do repeat dungeons anymore. Or if we do, it's because of procedural generation or something um, or lack of budget. The music is good, too. Um, there's a lot of good music in this in this game. The boss themes are... Uh, yeah, the, the, the main boss themes. Fighting Zeo, the song known as Laughter. Fighting the Profound Darkness, the song known as Ooze is good. There's a couple of other songs where you're in spaceports. I'm trying to remember what the song lists are, um, but I know there's a lot of cool stuff. Like there's a there's a spaceport where it's a kind of a central hub where you can heal and restart. You know, change your party members out. It's a really cool um, spacey vibe to it. So you've got your typical, hey, this is a nice little dungeon, or this is a nice little town theme. But then you've got your dungeons, which are really freaking good themes, driving themes. The spacey ones are the best, you know. So it gives you a lot for such a tight-knit package. Like I said, this game is only like 20 hours most. It doesn't seem like it drags. It's really good. Um, as far as the weaknesses first, I said that Alice dying sucks. Because Chaz is a loaf of bread. He's just there. Nothing he does seems very good. And I'm kind of sick of those types of protagonists. You know, the hero's journey. Like, he's just a... He's just a... You know, Alice at least had a sense of humor. She didn't take shit from nobody. And it would have made for an interesting experience. I mean, Rika probably wouldn't have had, you know... like. I think she would have went along with Chaz just fine. I just think Alice was that bridge, that glue that would have made like a rune a better character. He was a good character still, but I think he would have worked better jumping off of Alice than with Chaz because they just didn't work as, you know, sort of friends, you know. Um, so it, it's just kind of, uh, like I said, the music is, is good. The visuals are good. All of the visuals in the main cutscenes are done in this like comic book style so you get a picture of a character with like this full head like this full framed view of their of their outfits and they were well designed and full formed like watch like reading or watching a comic book unfold you know and it, it's they lay they would layer them on top of each other too so it's like 
oh, you get one, you get one comic book panel, then you get another comic book panel, and you get a big scroll. Big, big subtitles, too. So you're not lacking for... A lot of games these days do this really fucking small-ass font. No, this game is giving you a lot of space to read and see what's going on because it doesn't have that big of a story to tell. It doesn't have that crazy of a story to tell. But again, some of the characters are really well-written, and, and it explodes off the screen in a different sort of way. Um, I liked the fact that near the end of the game, people that you used at the end, or like building up to the end game, could come back as your fifth party member. So if you wanted to change it up and say, okay, Raja's just basically broken, and I don't want to use him this time, I'll try Demi, or I'll try Kira to change it up and see what happens, you know, give it a different strategy, you can do that. You can change your macros to suit a situation, so if you want to do all the combinations, you can, or if you've got a spell that you just love using, you could use that. It never felt like anybody was a waste of a character. So that was all good, you know, and... So despite some of the repetitive issues with dungeon design and everything, everything moves at a really quick pace. It's just a really, really good game. And a lot of people consider it one of the best RPGs of all time. I'm with them. This is a really fucking good game. Coming off what was kind of hit or miss as far as a series goes... This was something that they are going to be remembered for for a long time. The fact that we're almost 30 years removed and it's still widely regarded as one of the best games ever, if not the best game on the Genesis, says a lot. But that'll do it for me today. And let me load up my uh, list here because I have more stuff. Next week, I'm going to talk about Trigun. Knowing that I'm a few episodes into Trigun Stampede, this is very, uh, very appropriate to talk about the original. Uh, March 13th, we have the long-awaited Final Fantasy VII review with Lee. We recorded it when we beat Final Fantasy VII like a month ago, so we're going to do it. Um, I'll post that one. March 20th will be Ruby Ice Queendom. <laughs> March 27th will be Yakuza Like a Dragon. Much better. Love that fucking game. Want the fucking next one. I want it so much. Um, so yeah, we went from down to high. And speaking of highs, we'll end this sequence with April 3rd. Um, so going into April, the next anime after uh, Ruby will be uh, Holic. Uh, dubbed XXX Holic. Don't know why. Never understood that naming scheme, but when you heard when you hear the word holic, you kind of know what you're what you're in for. It's from Clamp. Uh, they were people who did uh, Card Captor Sakura and um, Chobits Su uh, Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. It's it's kind of a spinoff of Reservoir Chronic Chronicle, which was a much longer form series, like fifty to hundred episodes, give or take. And one of the characters that was kind of shown off a little bit in there became like the main character of their own show in a totally different way. It is a completely different type type of show, and it was cool. I really enjoy it. I'm a sucker for stuff like uh, yokai and demons, like not strictly horror. 
you know, from an American perspective, I'm into like the Japanese, you know, like yokai and Halloween esque demon kind of shit, the eth- ethereal beings and weird stuff. So this kind of fits that narrative and fits that bill, but it does it in the in the in the form of a comedy. So uh, Halleck was something that really grab like I gravitated to mostly because of one of the characters in there. So I'm really enthusiastic about talking about that. But that will do it for me this week. And again, if you guys like this review, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. And I will see you guys next time. Citizen Strives, signing off.